And when it comes to phobia, I think my goal is to just bring some new energy, bring creative strategy to really jumpstart that momentum and build on what the team has already accomplished. Welcome to the Phobia Insider Podcast. I am your host, Ian Cameron, and today we are joined by Colby McKenzie, Phobia's new Chief Revenue Officer. Welcome to the Phobia Podcast, Colby. It's uh, great to have you here today and uh, as part of the senior management team. Happy to be here. Happy to be chatting with you. To give a bit of an intro, Colby is a very skilled senior executive with a proven track record of accelerating business growth and development. So uh, that's why we're so excited to have him uh, join Phoebe. Uh, most recently, he was uh, the co-founder of a venture-backed startup called Enlighten, uh, which is a leading can tech company for both retail and, and ad tech solutions. And they had over uh, 1,500 clients. And in 2022, he helped Enlighten to make a successful exit to uh, Weed Maps. Uh, where he played a, a, a very strong role as, as VP and, and GM in launching and scaling the Weedmaps off-platform advertising solutions. Sounds so much prettier when you say it. <laughs> no, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're pretty impressed with your, your credentials, and we're, uh, we're really, uh, really pleased to have you on the team. So why don't we jump uh, right into uh, to our questions, and uh, we'll get your thoughts on, uh, on a few things. I know only been at, at Phoebe for just a short time, but really want to uh, uh, dig a, a little bit into your background. And, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, what you see in Phoebe and, and what you're so excited about. So, so yeah. So when we start there, uh, I guess the first question for you would be, uh, yeah, why did you make the decision to join Phoebe and, and, and what gets you most excited about uh, this move to Phoebe? When it comes to decisions like this, I really try to drill down into four things. I call it the four P's and that's going to be people, product, presence, and passion. And so out of the gate, when you think about people, I liked the people. I had done business with Rob and Gavin uh, several years back. So there was an existing relationship and a baseline understanding of kind of who we were and what each of us was about. Um, obviously, I'm here, so I think they are great guys and, and really people that I believed that I could work alongside and, and accomplish great things with. When you think about the product, I absolutely love the product. I mean, heck, in my last company, I literally tried to buy one of the products. So that tells you what I think about the products there. And I've been around retail tech and ad tech for a long time. Many of the problems and gaps that clients have faced that I've worked with in the past are really solved by Phobie's technology. And I think when you distill it down, it's data and attribution are the focus of what we do. And I think that is a really strong place to start and focus on. Then you marry the digital and physical worlds in an omni-channel way. And everybody these days is omni-channel, omni-channel, omni-channel. It's like, okay, what does that even mean? Here, we're actually solving and bridging the gap between the digital and physical world, which I think is awesome. And then the last thing is scalable distribution and the adoption of the wallet. And I think if you have awesome technology, cool. If it's not distributable, that doesn't really help anybody. But here we have a really crisp means of distribution. And that to me was kind of the, the three buckets that are like, oh, wow, the product is, is something special, even above and beyond what I knew uh, back when I was... Uh, looking to do a deal with Foby. And so I think it's going to be really incredible when we tie it all together and really put some momentum behind it. Then you have my third P, presence. And I think it takes time, and, and Ian, you will appreciate this, and this is in many ways an ode to you, and it takes time to gain market presence and get people to actually know who you are as a company. And I think Foby has really, in many ways, already done that in spades which makes building relationships with clients and partners a thousand times easier because it's not like, 
oh, we're Fulby and, and let me tell you what we do. It's like, hey, you know about Fulby. You've heard about us in the market. Now we can get straight to, to business. And I think that makes things exponentially easier. It is just something that I immediately saw. I was like, wow, these guys have a strong market presence. And that is something that takes time and, and time that we don't have. So that was incredible. Final P, and I promise I will be done with the many P's that we were discussing here. And that's passion. And one that to me is like critical. I have built companies. I've focused on culture. And if you don't have a bunch of people that are passionate about what they do, the startup, the company of whatever size just won't make it. You have to wake up and be happy about what you're doing and immediately could feel and see the passion uh, inside of Phobie when, when it started off. So that really was the, was the key. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, you hit the nail on the head, particularly, you know, it's a little bit of a twist on the traditional four P's of marketing, but I love the last one with passion. And that's absolutely, you know, one of the things that, you know, initially attracted me to Phobia as well and keeps me, you know, here, just the, the passion and, and the opportunity that Phobia has. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to hear you, uh, you know, sort of echo that uh, as well. And I think, you know, the passion is, is important as well, particularly when you're working in a startup and you're trying to build revenue. So, Maybe tell us about, you know, some of the challenges that, you know, that you faced and uh, with increasing revenue at, you know, at startups and, and how have you solved those challenges? You bet. And I have worked with and seen startups of every shape and size. And I think it all comes down to like revenue is always way harder to drive than people assume. The, the pro forma is not real. Like driving revenue is not easy. And so with early stage companies, I think those challenges are really amplified. And what I mean by that is because you have fewer resources, you have fewer customers that are singing your praises in the market, you have fewer tools for growth. This, the cards are in many ways stacked against earlier stage companies. And so when you're thinking about how you can drive revenue, it really comes down to incremental momentum. And this is something that I preach and preach and preach on top of my soapbox and have done for years. And that's, you have to drive incremental momentum. And that momentum, each step of the way, each month, makes revenue just a little bit easier to attain in the next month. And so as you tip away, as you drive momentum, the tool set grows. The customers are singing your praises. Everything gets a little easier and it just requires that kind of initial inertia and getting going. No, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, it also, you know, that momentum generates successful, you know, case studies and success stories, which then, you know, add to that momentum and make it even easier to, to keep priming the pump uh, and getting that going. So, yeah. Well, Stephanie, and when it comes to phobia, I think my goal is to just bring some new energy, bring creative strategy to really jumpstart that momentum and build on what the team has already accomplished. Yeah, no, that's great. And that's what we're looking for. I think another, you know, angle that, that you bring over and above, you know, just the energy, um, you've got a great background in, in mergers and acquisitions and, and joint ventures. How do you plan to sort of bring, uh, you know, that experience and that skill set to, uh, to Phoebe? Did you, uh, see my, see my eyes light up there when you mentioned that? Uh, so those that, that know me well know that I am an absolute deal junkie. Um, I really pride myself at maximizing inorganic aspects of growth. In my early career, I quite literally drank, slept, ate M&A while sharpening my skills at Wild, which is a prestigious New York-based law firm. Uh, and I think that legal background has really allowed me to identify, structure, and close deals significantly faster 
than someone that has not spent so much time living and breathing high stakes in the day. From a perspective of phobia, because I want to make sure I bring it back because that was the, the whole point of the question. One of our, our 2023 objectives of phobia is to stay acquisitive. So we're actively looking for the right M&A deals. And at the same time, we're immediately focusing on some JV opportunities and really high value verticals. So right out of the gate, we're going to be putting that M&A background in mind. Great. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we've, we've had some success in, in M&As uh, previously, but, you know, I think definitely with you coming on the team, you know, we're going to see that ramp up uh, even further. So uh, really, uh, really excited about, uh, about that. So connected to that, obviously, Phoebe does, a, you know, a lot of business in the regulated industry space with uh, liquor and, you know, gaming. How do you think your experience in, in the cannabis space will, will help you grow Phoebe's business in, in these regulated industries? I love highly regulated industries. And that probably is the opposite of what most people would say. And the reason is the added compliance means that most of your prospective competitors immediately bow out. It's like, that's hard. I'm out of here. Which to me is like, that just screams opportunity. And so if you have a real solution and are willing to help these companies in highly regulated industries solve a problem and actually stay compliant in solving that problem, they literally will love you forever. And we saw this in the cannabis space. So we showed up in the very early days of cannabis, 2016, and we came with something that we had brought from other industries and was a real technology solution. And in those early days in cannabis, almost everything being sold from a tech stack perspective was absolute vaporware. And none of the big players would come in and, and leverage their technology in the space for uh, a number of reasons. And so what we had was real tech married with an industry that was desperate for it due to those high uh, barriers to entry from the regulatory component. And immediately everybody was interested in our technology. We were able to scale exponentially faster than we would have if we were in a highly competitive industry. And I think that uh, lesson learned just sings and speaks to if I can get in a highly regulated industry and I can efficiently build a prog for it, I think you're in a very blue water opportunity, so to speak. Yeah. And obviously, uh, you know, part of that compliance issue is certainly, you know, in those regulated industries is around age and identity verification. Uh, and so obviously, Phoebe's, you know, very strong with our alt ID offering and some some great opportunities there. Do you see, you know, opportunities in, in that space? I think so. I think, I think any time that you have a tool set that does the core of, of regulated industries. And mo like you have financial regulations and we'll set those aside. But in many ways, when you think of regulated industry, you think of age gated, right? And having to ensure that 21 plus or 18 plus compliance is the core problem that you're solving. And with Alt ID being not just a product, but a product that is woven into our broader solution stack, I think that's something that you can go and say, yeah, it's not just the third party that we're hoping solves your problem and we just built on top of it. It is literally built into our technology stack as our own proprietary product. I think that's something that is super helpful. Absolutely. Uh, well said. Talking a little bit you know, about your uh, most recent experience uh, at Enlighten and, and Weed Maps, you were very involved in the ad tech space. And obviously here at Phoebe, given our access to the transactional POS data that we have, our, you know, wallet pass activation and engagement uh, channel, uh, and and obviously our, you know, our coupon business uh, with Cupels. So we've 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 got a you know a unique 
opportunity for prospective advertisers and, and media partners. Just based on your experience, maybe tell us a little bit about your thinking here and what the opportunity for, you know, for phobia is. Definitely. So I think first party data has always been important to differentiate ad solutions, right? But obviously that is only amplified with the cookie apocalypse coming to the forefront here over, over the near term. It, who knows when the actual data is right? It continues to kind of uh, shift a bit, but it's coming and we know that. So the idea that you can survive without a first party data solution or without leveraging your own first party data becomes a bit scary as you roadmap out. And so I think that's super valuable. Then you marry that with the ability to create real-time engagement. And an example of that is, let's say you're leveraging our wallet technology to download digital coupons from a retail media network. And then you layer in proper attribution, like, ah, sorry, like, welcome to, to media in 2023, guys. You actually have to be able to draw a line to ROAS. Um, but I think in doing so, like the buyers are going to be clamoring. If you can check those boxes and provide something that that actually they can get comfortable is driving value and driving uh, return on ad spend, I think it's really, really important. And off camera, Ian, you and I have talked about this a number of times because obviously your background is is very similar and you have spent a lot of time in media and, and evaluating media solutions. Like, what we're doing, I think, really solves a lot of gaps. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that piece as well. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, to me, it, it, providing that attribute, well, I mean, you have data, data-based attribution, uh, and then tying that ultimately to, as you say, uh, return on ad spend and ultimately customer lifetime value. And that's the holy grail. It's what, what every marketer uh, is, you know, is looking for. I mean, it's, it goes to that old adage, you know, I know half of the advertising I do is wasted. I just don't know which half, right? You know, in this case, we can actually figure out, you know, which half and what's working and what isn't working and, you know, help uh, organizations and marketers do more of what's working and less of what's not. So it really is, uh, you know, in, in, incredibly powerful. Guys, you heard it here first. You are no longer going to have to send the person with a clipboard to brick and mortar to try to figure out if you're actually getting a sell through. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think to me, that's the most exciting thing about, you know, being a phobia is, is the connection of, of what we offer from the data aggregation on the POS side to the wallet pass activation and engagement side to the cube bonds. And then that just that whole retail ecosystem that we provide, uh, it, it's just so powerful. And and you layer on that attribution uh, side of things. And it's just, yeah, gives me, you know, uh, goosebumps if you're just, just thinking about it. So And model media is very much moving towards ecosystem driven, right? Like if you are a single siloed solution offering me this one piece of the puzzle, maybe it's interesting, I'll consider it. But if you actually are able to afford media buyers an ecosystem and speak to the value proposition of the broader ecosystem, I think it's massive. Yeah, ab absolutely. Well, switching gears, uh, you know, just just a little bit, you know, I know you've you've only just started with Phoebe, but what do you see as, as the biggest opportunity for Phoebe in, in 2023? Let's focus on the last word and or the last numbers, I should say, and that's 2023, right? So I think during downtimes, businesses don't stop spending. Like that's what everybody acts like in many ways. It's like, oh, if things aren't going well from an economics perspective, businesses stop spending. I, I and my career have not seen that to be true. I think what really happens is they just spend to create operational efficiencies or smarter decisions to actually maximize revenue and do so without having to gamble, as you mentioned earlier, 
on advertising that doesn't have clear return on ad spend. And so our technologies afford data-driven decisions. They do not require massive infrastructure. Because I guarantee you're getting hung up on if you call and say, hey, let's completely rip out your infrastructure and plug ours in. Like, good luck this year, actually getting somebody to say yes to that. So it's easy. It's nimble. It's agile, right? And the last thing is like, there's actually proof in the pudding on the return on what you're spending. And so I think as others may find this to be a tough economic environment and struggle to find footing in this economy, I actually plan on us thriving. And I think if you marry that market dynamic with our objective to really rapidly uh, ramp up the M&A and, and joint venture activity, we could really see strong organic and inorganic growth over the course of this year. Which, you know, obviously uh, we all think is is going to be coming in, in 2023. One of the other things I think, you know, particularly for you coming in and, and sort of taking over your responsibility for business development and, and growing the revenue, obviously, you know, we've, we've closed a number of really significant deals over the last year. Oscars, NASDAQ, Scotch and Soda. We've got renewals from, you know, four of the top 10 global insurance companies in the world. So these are some pretty incredible uh, success stories already. Do you see a lot of strength in that and, and being able to leverage that in terms of, um, you know, driving new business in, in those kind of specific verticals? I think yes, but it's not for the reason that you would think I would say yes. I think, I think logo selling works to a degree, but if you have a really strong narrative and a success story in a real one and not a marketing fabricated one that you can point to and say, we delivered value to this guy. And this wasn't mom and pop down the road. This guy, you actually probably know, you might've heard of the Oscars. When you do it in that fashion, I really do think that it becomes compelling. And it's a it's an ode to the team for having already laid the groundwork of getting uh, strong customers and delivering strong results for those customers. Because then it's not just a logo on a page. It's really a meaningful story and solution and actually solving a problem that just so happens to be tied to right and i think that's the key thing it's solving that problem a understanding what the problem is solving it you know in a successful way and then figuring out you know who else might have the same problems and you know and, and being able to tell that story you know in a powerful way so i think uh yeah absolutely well let's change gears uh, you know a little bit here why don't you maybe uh tell uh, me and, and our listeners just a, a little bit about you outside of work and you know about your family any hobbies what do you do for fun your bet. It, it's funny because when I get this question, it immediately takes me back to law school interviews. So it was suggested when you're in law school to put on your resume at the bottom, like interesting things about you so that when you're in an interview process, that somebody actually has something that's worth talking about besides like the same old questions. And so in law school, on my resume, the three bullets that I would always put were inventive cooking, uh, which was basically a cute way of saying I knew how to cook on a law school budget, um, fantasy football, and then self-help books. And so I look at that being way back when, and, and I laugh because these days my wife is a way better cook than I am. So less of the inventive cooking. Fantasy football has been replaced with hanging out with my two kids. But I do remain an avid sports fan and an absolute health nut. So in my free time, I do a lot of hiking, running, exercising here in the hill country of Austin. Very cool. And maybe just one last final little question for you here. Connected to that, 
what's your hidden skill that very few people know about you other than the inventive cooking? Yeah, yeah which I'll send you a recipe. Those, uh, those are some interesting times for sure. A hidden skill. Oh, man. Let me think. Oh, this one is, is interesting, but I don't know that it's uh, as, as skillful as others. So once upon a time, I don't know if they, they had this in Canada, but they used to set up a pull-up bar in random spots in the military would come and it was a, a tool to see if you could uh, do a bunch of pull-ups, but really it was to drive crowds around various branches of the military uh, promoting. And so in my earlier years, I used to be able to do astronomical amount of pull-ups, uh, again, before the kids and, and less of the, the working out time. But my skill was... I that day went and broke the record and was able to actually go head to head with the army person that they brought to do pull ups. And so it's this huge crowd and you're sitting there with this guy that probably does this for a living and just hoping that you could do one more than he can in front of like hundreds of people because I was the, the dummy that raised my hand that said I could probably beat him. And so the skill, which TBD on whether I still uh, have it, but was once upon a time, I could do an astronomical amount of pull-ups. <laughs> well, there you go. That's uh, that's great. Uh, well, there there are a number of other hidden skills and some of the other phobie staff that will uh, you know will will bring you in on uh, you know at some point. But great to hear that uh, that you're you know you you're good at pull-ups. But also, I think what I heard in there was a little bit of a competitive spirit as well. Most definitely, admittedly so. Always, always doing. Uh, what I can to, to get competitive uh, juices flowing. Well, that's great. For me, you know, that, that competitive spirit also connects back to what we started the conversation around, which is passion. Uh, and I think, you know, that's what everybody at, at Phoebe shares is that, you know, is that passion. And particularly for 2023, I think that, you know, the focus is really going to be on execution and, you know, and, and driving that uh, that revenue. And, and, and that's why, uh, you know, again, we're, we're so excited to have you uh, join the team uh, and really looking forward to what you're uh, bringing to the table and, and, uh, and how, how the business is, is going to grow uh, in, in this year and, and, and the following years to come. Most definitely. And I, uh, I definitely share in that excitement and looking forward to rolling out my sleeves and getting going. That's great. Well, Kobe, thank you again for uh, joining us today and answering uh, these questions. Uh, some work related, some are a little more personal, but I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to uh, working together with you on, uh, on, a, on a bunch of different interesting things that we've got going on right now. So uh, uh, thanks again and uh, have a great rest of your day. You bet, buddy. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, Colby. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Phoebe Insider Podcast, the place to stay connected to everything Phoebe. Subscribe now for all new episodes and all the latest news. Thanks.